Now, it could have been when I was in college. It could have been when I was in seminary or, or graduate school. I'm not sure where, where it occurred, but I can remember a comment that was made which puzzled me, and, um, and it was this. Uh, perhaps you've heard it. It says, it's better to fail with a goal in view than succeed without a goal. Um, It's puzzling to me how you could say failure uh, is preferred at all. How failure is preferred. And the truth, I think, that shines out of that saying is that the one who succeeds without a goal, the one who succeeds without a goal, likely knows no more at their arrival to that goal than when they started, and therefore is not likely to be appreciative of it or not knowledgeable of it, uh, that the battle, the, 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 the work to get there. Uh, on the other hand, if one fails with a goal, uh, at least they know where they were aiming and where they were going and may be able to start again and go toward that goal. And that, that's what I think that means. And having not talked to whoever said that, I, I'm not sure where, where they were with that. All of this to say that there is a goal for Christians. There is a goal for Christians, and it's clearly stated in the Scriptures, and a goal for the Christian life. And Paul talks about this in the third chapter of, I'm, I'm going to be in the right place now, Philippians, and uh, there's a strength, there's a, there's a kind of a, a muscular vitality to the apostle as he writes to the Philippians about the demands and the stresses and the stamina that a life in Jesus Christ demands, that it, that it takes strength to live the Christian life. And uh, anyone reading our text this morning, as we will in a minute, will know how groundless are the claims that the Christian life is anemic or weak or without any strength, you know. So let's, uh, let's look at this. We're in the 13th verse. Listen to the... Listen, as I read this, to the, the, the sweet stress of this passage of Scripture. And, and you're almost, you, 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 know, you know, you've been in gymnasiums, you know how they smell. You almost can smell the, 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 the pungent uh, strength that's here from the work. Here's what Paul says. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. I count not myself to have apprehended... But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, add his blessing to the scriptures. Please be seated. So we notice some things here about this passage of scripture, and I'll point out some other things. Uh, first, notice the, the singleness of purpose that's here. Uh, as it relates to the Christian goal of, uh, to cross the finish line uh, in honor like runners of the Olympic Games. If you've ever watched the runners and receive the prize that they get, in this case, the prize is given to, to us by Jesus himself. Jesus is the one that's there. Jesus is the one waiting for us. Jesus is the one that gives us the prize. And Paul's not putting his toe in the water here. He's not kind of testing things out, not kind of sampling or experiencing 
his faith here in, in a, you know, just a tepid way. He says, this one thing I do, right? This one thing I do. Here's where so many Christians have a difficult time. They actually fail at this. We rush into Christianity. We come into the presence of the Lord. And, and, and many Christians have a difficult time with this because we were so enthusiastic about Christ at the beginning, beginning, and we rush into to this, and we want to rout out every temptation. You know, we want to, we want to do away with every sinful uh, disposition that we have in our lives. We want to overcome every weakness, and we want to do it by Tuesday. Tuesday, thank you. Tuesday, I want it done. I, I can do this. Not so. And you know this. We know this. The powers of sin in us and around us are so formidable and difficult. And Jesus never suggests that our struggle would be easy and that the enemy would be quickly overcome. The New Testament did not say that. There's another note that struck in throughout the New Testament that if I read the scriptures properly, uh, speaks to this in a very strong way. It's a note of struggle. It's a note of conflict. It's a hint of, of sweat and, and tears and blood and struggle. We see it when Jesus tells us we must plead before God, not that we fall into temptation. Don't fall into temptation. That's too powerful for us. And he says, we say, lead us not into temptation. So we're told, we, the Lord has to do this. Lead us not into temptation. And we're told that we can't escape the devil's clutches. Deliver us from evil. Lord, you do this. You deliver us from evil. Pass another passage of scripture. You ought always to pray and faint not. As if to say, we can fall so easily. We can fall so easily. The whole New Testament supports the idea of a struggle, a fight, a severe testing of the Christian individual. What does Paul say in the, in the midst of his love for the Lord God, toward the end of his life, he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me, right? Who will deliver me? So let's not be weary in well-doing, because you can get weary, right? Does this sound easy to you? <laughs> Does this sound simple to you? Is this your experience? What's your experience? I think so. I think we all have experienced the difficulty of living the Christian life. So we need steel. We need determination in our Christian lives. We turn to this and then to that, and we go to this church, or we go to that church, or we, we, uh, we get used the remote. We go from this television preacher to another television preacher. We're all along lounging around in our PJs, you know, sipping a cup of coffee with a Danish and and uh, looking, searching, the Bible speaks of those who are, in exact words, I'm going to quote them, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. We need singleness of purpose. I think that's what Scripture is saying to us. And the only way to, to, to reach that is by, by a goal, by fixing our aim. Where are we going with this? We, we have to have a target that we're after. What, what's the one major thing that's so important? 
serving the Lord. The Lord himself. The Lord himself. Ask Paul. He'll tell you. And he tells you here how this is done. He says, this one thing I do, right? This one thing I do. Press on. Press on. Everything else is secondary. If it plays any part at all. Everything else is secondary. We know, we know the power of intense focus. I mean, I mean when I was a kid, uh, uh, I used to get a magnifying glass, and I used to play with it, and I'd go out and I'd pile a bunch of dead leaves or wood or whatnot, and you know what, what you can do with that. And you can get that magnifying glass and focus that down, and it comes down, and all of a sudden there's smoke, and then there's spot. I mean, I mean you, you can... I, you can burn ants. <laughs> Not that I... <laughs> a simple magnifying glass can focus the rays of the sun in such a way that it ignites a fire. You can take down a building. You can take down a building. But the super intense focus of a laser... Now think about this. A laser has amazing power. And we're finding that out now. What, what's happening now with, with focused light. It can burn a hole in a diamond. It can burn a hole in steel. It can carry gazillion TV signals at once. Laser light differs from regular light. I mean the light we have in here today uh, in two ways. I'm an expert in this uh, because I have Google. And you can be an expert too. You can be an expert too. Turn on a light bulb. First of all, regular light goes in all directions, right? That's what we have light in here. So it goes in all directions. That's what we do. You turn on a light bulb and it goes all over the place. Lights up the, the sanctuary here or your home, a light, a room, whatever. goes all laser Light is, in a sense, gathered up. It's gathered up and put out in one direction. That's a laser. Secondly, a, a regular light operates on a number of frequencies, but a laser light operates forcefully in one frequency or very few frequencies. What that means is the power of Intense focus occurs on a broad spectrum of something gathered up. It's gathered up, and then it's, secondly, forcefully pushed out. You gather it all up, and you push it out to a single point. You're after something. You're after something. Paul is talking here about what it means to be a Christian. And in verses 12 and verses 14, he uses the word, now watch what I'm doing here, and you need to write this down. If you want, get your Bibles open, it's something you need to remember. He uses the word press. I press on. And he uses it, and interestingly enough, it's the same Greek word that's used down in the sixth verse. And look down at that, and, and, you, and you'll, want to, you'll want to write this down. It's the same Greek word but there it's translated persecute, same word. Press, persecute, same word. Paul says, I persecuted the church. Exact same word. How can a word be translated persecute over here and press on over there? 
And here's the answer. The word means to pound. It means to pound. I pound this. I beat on this. You see, before Paul was a Christian, he was gathering up the whole church and pounding it to death. The focus was do away with it. He was pounding it to death. After he becomes a Christian, he gathers up his whole self and pounds it, pushing it, intensely focusing toward a single point. He says in verse 14, I'm after one thing now, in my, one thing in my life. Paul was always intense, seems to me, as I look at his life. But now this is intensity with a, foc- a different focus. A different focus. He says, I gather up my whole life and I push it. I push it. The Bible teaches that this in a number of places. You find this in the book of Matthew in the 11th chapter. <coughs> Jesus says something kind of weird there. And a lot of people read right through this and they don't want to deal with it, so they just kind of run away from it. But the old King James says this, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. That's a strange passage, isn't it? This, this is Jesus talking. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Literally, what he's saying here is the kingdom of God requires violence, and only the violent receive it. Take it by they receive it. They take it by force. What's he talking about? What? What? what What's, it, it's the same thing Paul's talking about. It's the same thing that Jesus is talking about, that the Bible's talking about, that Christianity says is the Christian life is caused by the result of spiritual ferocity. It's a battle. Spiritual ferocity. It's a spiritual laser beam, if you will. An intensity of focus There's a laser beam that causes your Christianity, and then a laser beam is what you become. Now watch watch what Scripture says here and what it says. There's a holy violence to entering the kingdom of God. Paul says, now now watch. He he says right in the passage we read, "I, I grasp, I press, because I've been grasped, and I've been pressed. You, you see it there? There's this, this, there's this, this violence. I've been grasped. I've been pressed. And a lot of people say, well, well I'm a Christian, but you know what? I, I was, uh, and, and I'm one of these. You know, I was raised in the church. I've always been a Christian. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, I've always believed. No. No. Gospel of Johnson, you're not born into this just because your dad's a Christian or your mom's a Christian. I always been, I've always been, no, no, no. You're not a Christian unless something, some spiritual aggressiveness comes upon you. Something happens to you in your heart, in your spirit. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent bear it away. 
The violent receive it. You, something comes to you and changes who you are. Someone says, you know, I believe, I believe Christianity is private. Uh, one of those things I hate about born-again Christians is they're always, you know, talking about it. They're always talking about it. I don't like to talk about it. It's my own private life. You know what they mean by that? You know what they mean by that? That statement assumes Christianity is a piece of your life. It's a piece of your life. I got my whole life over here. I'm going to do this over here. It's a piece of your life. And Paul says, no. No, 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 no. To be a Christian means your entire life is gathered up, like the laser light, gathered up. Your entire life is gathered up. Focused, pushed, pounded toward a single thing. A single thing. And as a result, you become a person of enormous energy, enormous power. Colossians 1.29 says, and Paul's speaking here again, he says, I struggle with all the energy he so mightily inspires in me. I've got an energy. I've got a strength that God's given to me. Paul tells us two things. Look down in verse 12. Look down in verse 12. He says, and I love this. He says, I press on to take hold of, for that which Jesus Christ took hold of me. We are, first of all, taken hold of. That's what it says, right? We are caused. We are caused. It's, it's a causation thing. Jesus took hold of me. Secondly, we become a laser beam. You see how that works? We're caused, we're grabbed, and therefore we grab. You see it? We're caused, he grabbed us, now we grab. And we do. Christ does not take hold of me because I took hold of him. I take hold of him because he took hold of me. I love him because he first loved me. Right? Right? Isn't that what scripture says? Christianity is not something you take up. It's something that takes you up. It comes against you. It comes into your heart. Christ is not something that starts in you. It starts upon you. It comes to you. God came in the garden. He's looking for Adam. Adam wasn't looking for God. Remember, he was running from God. So from the very beginning, here comes God. Here comes God. God comes to you in Christ and it causes you to think differently. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now think, 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 think. I don't, I don't care who you are, think about this. If there is a God, then my relationship to him is far and away the only thing that matters. If there's a God, my relation to him is far and away the only thing that matters. If there's no God and everything's going to burn up and there's no sense to anything, nothing matters. Do what you want. Nothing matters. You want to be right? You want to be right? You want, yeah, yeah, you're all right. Who cares? There's no God. That's an extreme statement, right? 
That's an extreme statement. That's, that's kind of the thing that starts to happen to you and you start to say, if, if, if God is, if God is, he's all that matters. So what's going on? Your life's being gathered up. Your life is being gathered up and it's being focused and it's being pressed towards something. It's pressed toward one point. Spiritual intensity begins to come in your life, right? The casualness of, of all of this is over. The indifference toward it is over. Spiritually seeking as a, this is a hobby maybe, I just come to church or, or coming to church when you feel like it is, no, 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 no. No, it's intense. Somebody's after you. Somebody's after you. And what is it? Who is it? It's your maker making you again. It's your maker making you over again. A new creature in Christ. This one thing I do, this one thing, this is intense. This is intense. Somebody says, well, you know, I... I think this intense stuff, you Christians, you know, you need to settle down. You're a little bit fanatical. Huh? Yeah, you ever hear that? You've heard that. Yeah, a little bit fanatical, you, you people. Uh, we're not fanatical enough. Um, And then they go on with it, and it's well, you don't want us to be, you know, we don't, we don't like fanatics. You don't, we don't want to be like, you know, you know why? They're obnoxious. These fanatical people, they're just obnoxious. Obnoxious people. You know what the problem is here? <laughs> they may be Christians, they may be not. I don't know. But I'll tell you what they are. I'll tell you what they are. They have applied the gospel the truth of the gospel to perhaps witnessing or to evangelism, but they're not fanatically humble. They're, are they? Are they? They're not fanatically peaceful. They're not fanatically courteous. They're not fanatically loving. See, the problem with so-called fanatics is not that they're too intense. They're not intense enough. And I meant that when I said it. They're not intense enough. They haven't gathered up all of Christ's life, all of who he is, all that he projects in his own lifetime. They haven't gathered up all of their lives either. The gospel completely reorients everything about life. The problem is they're not intense enough. They're unbalanced in their intensity. That's why they're obnoxious. Verse 14. Verse 14. Paul says, uh, I'm only after one thing. Only after one thing. He calls it the prize. Now, what is the prize? We'll drop down to verse 10. He says, I want to know him. I want to know him. This, that's the goal, right? That's the goal. I want to know him. Paul says this is the ultimate thing here. 
Jesus actually says in, in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, this is eternal life, that you might know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's, this is, he says, don't you realize what, what he's saying here in this passage of Scripture? Knowing God is not just the goal of life, it is life. It is life. It's just not knowing about it. It is life. He is life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am life. To know me is life. And Jesus was sent so that you'd have life, that we'd have life. So Jesus is, is, a, is like a laser beam. Do, do you see what he's saying in this passage of Scripture? Everything he did, his birth, his death, his torture, his suffering, his alienation from God on the cross, do you see what his goal was for that? God, Jesus is gathering up his life, all of his life, and he's focused it on you. You see it. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture. He's, he's, he's the laser beam of God, focusing his attention through Christ on each one of us. And there's only one thing he's been after. There's only one thing that he has done all that for, that you and I would not just believe in, but that we would know God. We would know him. That we'd walk with him that he'd be our closest friend, that he'd be our Savior and our Lord. And in the verse 12, again, I can't emphasize this too much. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, I'll give you another example of that, real, real easy. You can go to Luke 15, the story we all know well. I mean, I mean, everybody knows it. You don't have to be a Christian. The prodigal son, prodigal son. The son has played the fool, Right? He decides to come back. He wants to repent, and he's scared to death from the whole thing. What will the father do? Does the father sit on the front porch tapping his feet and rocking in his chair while his son is walking down from the... No, the father jumps up, runs to the son, jumps on him, kisses him before he repents. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? The father's love brings the repentance the Father's love, when I, when I think of how, what he did for me, that, that just melts my heart. The Father's love for us and what he's done in Christ at Calvary draws me. I'm drawn to the cross. I'm drawn to the Lord. I want to repent. I want to repent. The repentance does not bring the Father's love. The Father's love brings the repentance to us. Do you want to repent? Do you have a yearning for these things? I mean, is it in your heart? You, you just, are you focusing on these things at all? Don't you see, what, what the scripture is saying is you, you, you couldn't care about him unless he already cared for you. For you to worry about that you know, even when we say, and we all kind of toss these things around in our brains, I'd like to meet God, but, but, but would he accept me? You're taking too much credit for yourself. <laughs> You're taking too much credit. No, 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 no. Paul says, I grasp because I've been grasped. You're, you're, not, you're not in charge. I grasp because I've been grasped. And do you just see the sweetness of that? Do you? Do you? 
Now, now I've, I've, I've said that same thing three times now in this sermon, purposefully. I've gone over this three times. Um, do you know what a Christian is? For every single Christian, something from another world has come to your door. Something otherworldly has come to you. Something from above has come to you. You weren't looking for it. You weren't asking for it. It finds you. It captures your heart. It captures your heart. The way you know Christ has taken hold of you is now you become a spiritual laser beam as well. You become that. Uh, Paul tells us what a Christian is. It's a gathered up life. It's a gathered up life, reoriented and then pushed out toward a single purpose, a single point, a single focus. You gather up your family, you gather up your money, your, your, your 401ks, your work, your kids, your ambitions, all that stuff, your image, your self-image, you gather all that up. Your life, and you push it out for one purpose. Have you gathered up your life? Have you gathered up your life? Are you pushing it out toward the prize? You know, I read about a, a Puritan pastor in the 1660s who had a, a study of the Bible. He'd been studying the Bible for 50 years, and they're, they're intense. And one day he sat down to have lunch. And as he sat down to have lunch, he began to pray, and he said this, and I'm just going to quote what I took from the book. Jesus Christ came to me. And I sensed his presence. For over two hours, he poured into my heart love and truth. And I learned more at that lunchtime about Jesus, about who I am, than I had in all the 50 years of Bible study. What is that? What is that? That's a laser beam. That's a laser beam. That's available. That's available. You can know him, Scripture says. You can know him. Paul says, I am the result of a laser beam, and now I am one. My life focused. I am that. You know, so I press on. I press on. So Paul speaks a word to all of us here. In the service of Christ, you know, uh, time doesn't, you know, wear down our spirits. You know, we, it, it has not to do with time. You know, athletes uh, give up because their coordination stops or their bodies, they aren't what they used to be, so they have to stop. Or beauty queens, movie stars, they've got to move out of the way because the wrinkles come and the bulges start to come. You know, politicians, Lord, they must step back. You know, uh, the luster dims. You know, all is passing, only God remains. That's why the importance of God. You say, you're important. God is important. Everything else is passing, but God remains. God remains. I had a funeral on Friday. I got another funeral this afternoon. Um, and that's what we talk about. You know, they, 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 these are people who have passed. What do they got in this life? Nothing. You don't take Nothing. 
I'll tell you what you take. It's not my fault. If you're a Christian, you have a Christian family, and we sang about this for me and my house, for me and my house, you're passing the torch. You're passing the torch. And you're focusing your family on Jesus Christ. You're passing the gospel to people. But the other stuff in this life, gone. It's gone. Serving Christ, serving Christ. We go, Scripture says, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. We press on, we press on to the prize. And the prize, as we read in the 10th verse, is God himself. And for this, the sun rises and sets. I mean, it's that big of a deal. The sun rises and sets. The seasons come and go. This is what this world was created for, for something to occur for us to become like God. For this, Christ came into the world. For this, he died, right? This, he died. For this, the Holy Spirit is given to the body of Christ, the church, into our hearts and into our lives. For this, saints and martyrs have suffered for years and years and years because they knew the importance of this thing. For this, Revelation tells us history is unfolding. For this, and for this you were created. For this I was created. For this we were redeemed and called from darkness into light. Press on, Paul says. Press on. One day you'll hear the words, and some in our family have already heard this. Well done. Well done. Well done. And you'll hear that from the Savior. His own voice speaking to you. There's a land where sin can't touch you, where the struggles are over, where the pains of life, where fear can't come anymore, where illness can't come anymore. And the things that we struggle with, with that, and we have that in our congregation even now, doubt can't live, night can't be there. There's no night there, it's just eternal day. The, the pain in, is in the past forever. Peace. Is there. And the best thing, Christ is our companion. Well done. Come, 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 come. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Press on. Press on. Gather it up. Gather up your life and press on. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for uh, this beautiful passage of Scripture for the truth that's there. And, uh, and Father, you, you know, and I'm, I'm sure everyone here who's, who's, who opens the Word of God, looks at it, studies it, meditates upon it, whatnot, I mean, each day is a new adventure. Each day is a, a day of drawing closer to the Lord, learning more, uh, focusing on Him, uh, letting the Scripture uh, illuminate, empower, and transform our lives. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for Paul, for his writings and the things that he's saying about Jesus and his own journey that he had and, and, and the freshness with which he relates it. Uh, doesn't sugarcoat, doesn't, doesn't say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm this or I'm that, but he says, I'm, I'm sometimes just miserable. I have a hard time. So I'm struggling. And we know that in our own lives that, that you know, this wasn't a good week. This wasn't a good week. But we press on. We press on. 
And I've had difficulty in my life, and this has been hard over here in this person. But I press on. I press on. So, Father, we, 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 we take these things seriously. We want, we, want to, we want to live victorious lives. Help us to be who you've called us to be. Give us the strength that we need to live for Jesus and to say as Paul, this one thing I do. I press on. I want to know him. I want to know him. So implant that in our hearts, our Father, throughout this week. May it be brought to our thoughts again and again. And, uh, and when we think about this, Father, help us to lift up our voice and thank you for what you've done in Christ. This is our heart and this is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.